What's up, Videolanders? I'm your host, Nathan, and this is Adventures in Videoland, episode 336. Quick reminder, you can find us at adventuresinvideoland.com or on the Facebook page at Adventures in Videoland. Tonight, I spoke with the godmother of comics, Trina Robbins. Trina is a lifelong political activist, having contributed to the first American feminist newspaper and subsequently the first comic book produced entirely by women. She is a legendary figure in the world of comics, often regarded as the most prolific and influential female cartoonist from the underground scene. In the 1980s, Trina became the first female artist to draw Wonder Woman comics. Tonight, I talked to her about the importance of female representation in media, and I can think of no one more qualified to help us unpack that issue than her. So without further ado, let's catch up with Trina Robbins. Welcome to Video Land, Trina. Thank you. So Trina... In the last couple of days, I've been kind of been telling some friends, hey, I'm going to do an interview with Trina Robbins. And a lot of people have been like, well, who is who's Trina Robbins? And I have a I have a quote. Um, uh-huh. This is my this is one of my favorite things. Trina. I want this on a shirt. Uh, this says uh, we produced It Ain't Me Babe comics, which is the very, very, very first all woman comic book. And I stress this because. You know, a couple of times people have written about me, and it's like they're hedging their bets, and they say, and she produced one of the first. And you know what? It's not one of the first. It's the fucking first. <laughs> so, like... And it is, and that drives me crazy when people <laughs> don't give me credit. I, I absolutely do not want to take credit for things I didn't do, but I hate it when people don't give me credit. <laughs> well, and fair, fair enough. I so we're, we're going to make sure that you get that credit on, on uh, AV. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, okay, so we actually started trying to organize this interview a few weeks ahead of the Captain Marvel release. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, so that was when the film was experiencing this review onslaught where um, it was actually the lowest rated Marvel film according to like audience scores by like 18 points. Um, wow. Yeah, it was, it was very, very low before the film had even come out. And that's interesting all by itself, but it's also interesting that something similar happened uh, prior to the release of Black Panther. Uh, people came on and review bombed it, and I, I can't put my finger on what it is, Trina, but I feel like there's something about Captain Marvel and Black Panther that might be different from other from other superhero films, and maybe uh, you could help tell me why or what that is. <laughs> I wonder why you think that. <laughs> um, you know, obviously. You know, the people who hate Captain Marvel and, and who hate Black Panther, and by the way, I have to tell you, I didn't like Black uh, Captain Marvel either, but certainly not for the same reasons. I mean, these are the people who hate Obama and who hate Hillary Clinton, you know, and this is the same reason. One is black, the other's a woman. How dare they? Right? Yeah, how dare they, right? <laughs> um, can you help me understand maybe why that's still such an issue in 2019? I think it's always going to be an issue. I think that there are simply people who are filled with hate, um, people who feel that, you know, maybe the little bit that they have on it, it, you know, to themselves is threatened. I mean, people, you know, people have always been threatened. Every time um, an, improve, an, an improvement has been made, you know, in society, people have been threatened about it. I mean, look how threatened men were when women wanted to vote. Right. I I will say, I see a lot of this as well. Um, we talk a lot about comics on this show, and I have... So, I, I grew up reading comics, and uh, when I was a kid, it was a very small community. 
Um, I come from a very small town, and the, I can tell you the, the names of all the people that read comics when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Uh, and because, you know, Marvel has, Marvel and DC, really, but the Marvel Cinematic Universe has become so big, it's been such a, a juggernaut, that it's not just five or six people anymore, it's everyone in the community. Everyone knows these films, yeah. and I do think people well, yeah, are threatened. But you know, you just said the magic word, films. They don't really read the comics. No, they, they don't. The <laughs> right. And I, I, I just feel like, you know, people are maybe holding on to uh, something that doesn't necessarily belong just to them anymore. Well, it doesn't, but they, they have always felt it did. You know, uh, the, the fact that there are so many women in comics now and that guys feel threatened by it, it's, it's like they think we want to take away their superhero comics. We don't want to take away their superhero comics. There's, there's enough for everybody. <laughs> I know, I agree. Um but I, I so I think this is a it, it shouldn't be Trina, but I think it's a controversial topic. Um, you know, I, I had bef- before uh, my wife Rachel had reached out to you, Trina. Um, I had reached out to some friends of mine uh, that were that are writers and that have some credibility in comics, and just said like, "Hey, do you want to come on the show and, and we'll kind of talk about these things?" And nobody wanted to do it. Um, some people just kind of ignored the the um, the invitation, and other people had said, "You know, I really don't want to go on a podcast." And express my views about about feminism and gender equality because I'm afraid I'm going to get attacked online. I maybe I just don't care. <laughs> well, that that was going to be um, so. That's my follow up question, Trina. So I I've started reading your book, and um, and in it you describe yourself in the beginning as as an incredibly shy girl. Um, I was I was terribly shy as a child. The, <laughs> there's a there's a, a kind of anecdote in the story about. Uh, your teachers were passing out uh, materials for like a project, and they didn't mm-hmm. give any to you. And in, rather than you know raising your hand and saying, "Hey, I, I need some of those," you just didn't do the project, you know. And so um, I wonder, kind of like what what changed to have uh, this girl who was so shy that she wouldn't speak up for herself to become someone uh, who speaks up not only for herself but speaks up for others. You know, I don't know. I don't know how it changed or <laughs> when it changed. It simply changed, and and I speak up, and I'm not afraid to speak up. I really feel, what do I have to lose? No, I yeah, I agree. What do you have to lose? I think it's exactly. an important conversation to have. Well, what I have had to lose in the past, of course, you know, I have had things to lose. What I've had to lose in the past, when I spoke about underground comics and spoke up against sexism and the the horrible, violent misogyny. What I had to lose was that people didn't invite me into their books, you know, because they thought I was a feminazi bitch who wanted to castrate them. Um, but I couldn't not speak up. That's the thing. I couldn't. I couldn't be quiet. I had to speak up. Yeah, you feel like you have a like a responsibility. No, it isn't even a question of a responsibility. It's that. It's that if I see something. You know that 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 is wrong. I have to say it. Mm. I have to say this is wrong. I can't help it. <laughs> I mean, you you kind of say it like it's a it's a it's a bad thing. It sounds like a great thing. <laughs> well, you know, if I if I hadn't spoken up, I would have been you know maybe a lot more popular in underground comics. But I had to speak up. I couldn't help it. 
Trina, we, we've talked a little bit about underground comics, and I just, just so people uh, who maybe don't know, like, what, what are underground comics? How are they different from the mainstream comics that they might be familiar well, with? Well, there really aren't any underground comics anymore. It was an art movement, really, when you think about it. Excuse <clears throat> in the 60s and 70s. Um, in the 60s and 70s, comics basically were mainstream comics, were superhero comics. That was it. That was, that was comic books. There had been many, many more kinds of comics in the past, but by the 60s and 70s, it was all mainstream superheroes. Um, and, you know, I was counterculture, and a lot of people were counterculture. You know, a majority, I don't know if it was a majority, but an awful lot of people who were young in those days, in their teens and 20s, college students, um, we were counterculture. Our lives were very different from these very straight characters in the superhero comics. And we didn't really relate to those comics. Um, so we did our own comics. And our own comics spoke about what we were interested in. You know, we were, we were against the war in Vietnam. Uh, we were very much in favor of um, cannabis. Um, we simply had different beliefs and different different morals, and those comics spoke about our beliefs and our morals. And and Trino, am I right that you you didn't have to abide by the comics code? Well, no, of course that's the whole point. The comics code was very strict, and it it told you what you could and what you couldn't do. And but since we weren't mainstream comics, we could do whatever we wanted. The only problem was that what it turned out was a lot of the guys who were drawing comics and and when they could draw whatever they wanted, an awful lot of what they wanted to draw was extremely violent misogyny. I, I, I agree. I think that's still the case. <laughs> not anymore. Not really. I mean, not the way it was in the 60s and 70s. Okay. Well... I guess help me understand because from from my perspective, it feels and I'm and I'm I'm glad that I get a chance to talk to you about this because it feels like and maybe I'm just being pessimistic, but it feels like not a lot has changed. Uh, it, how have things changed? Oh my God, things have so much changed. You have no idea. Of course, <laughs> there are still problems, but I mean, I'm talking about comics that depicted women raped, tortured, murdered, beheaded. Um, and that it was all treated as something very funny. <clears throat> it wasn't like the crime does not pay comics, in which you know, you know, people shot everybody, and in the end, you you know, you see them them in the electric chair, <laughs> and it, on on the bottom it says crime does not pay. It, it, that was those were you know mainstream comics. No, it, it depicted all this as being very funny. It was it was really horrible stuff towards women. They really don't do that anymore. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of sexism, a lot of you know male gaze, and and you know kind of just the way men draw some men draw women in comics, you know, which is is, is very male gaze. Is, is terms like um, you know they put them in poses um, that are called brokeback poses, where mm -hmm. you you know if you really could stand like that, you'd have to break your spine. Um, but that's, that is, compared to 
really violent, hateful misogyny. That's nothing, you know. Okay. Well, th- thank you. I guess. I guess when I when I was thinking about it was was more of just the way that I see uh, female characters drawn, and I guess I, I didn't yeah, realize I, I mean, how. I don't like it, and I don't approve of it. But it's almost something to laugh at compared to to images, to graphic images of women being tortured and and murdered, and the whole thing treated as something very funny. Well, Trina, um, how how is it then uh, that you you got involved with some of these more mainstream comic comics? Well, I didn't really get involved with too much of mainstream comics, just a little. What in particular are you talking about? Oh, I mean, uh, so for example, um, like like with Wonder Woman, um, do you think that some of the work that you did in underground comics and the advancement of of uh, of women and gender representation did that? had any influence on the decision to, to choose you to do Wonder Woman? Absolutely not. I, I really don't know how they decided to ask me to do this, this um, four-issue miniseries. Mm-hmm. But I was delighted that they did, and I was really happy to do it. It was kind of my homage to the original Wonder Woman artist, Harry G. Peter. When when they asked you to do it, was there a sense at the time that this was going to be a groundbreaking thing, that like, oh, this is going to be the first time a female had drawn Wonder Woman? No. I don't think that any of us really realized that it was the first time a woman had drawn Wonder Woman. I don't think we realized that until later. Okay. And so when, when you drew Wonder Woman, how was your experience as a feminist? Did that... Did that have any influence on the way that you drew her, or did you draw her in, a, in any a different way than other artists had? My experience wasn't so much as a feminist. It was as a fan of the original Golden Age Wonder Woman. I mean, the trouble with Wonder Woman, of course, is that she's not a living creature. She's, she's, she's a fictional character who is owned by DC Comics, and unfortunately, depending on who's writing her and who's drawing her, she can change. She can be wonderful and she can be disgraceful. You know, and, and I wanted, for me, the original Wonder Woman is the true Wonder Woman. So I just, for four issues, I wanted to do a comic featuring the original true Wonder Woman. That's, yeah, that's that's great. I think, how, so how do you see Wonder Woman? What, what does she mean to you? Well, she's an iconic, of course. <laughs> you know, she's a feminist icon. She isn't always represented in a feminist way in the comics because it depends on who is writing and drawing her. Some people have done a wonderful job, and others have, you know, just drawn her as hypersexualized pinups. Did you know, um, this has been a few years ago, Trina, and I just found out about this, that she was recommended to be, like, a Goodwill ambassador to the UN? Oh, of course. I didn't know you that. I didn't know that. You found out about that? I just found out about that, Trina. <laughs> <laughs> um, my understanding, and maybe you can clarify this for me, um, is that they said no, but not because she wasn't real, <laughs> but because the way that she uh, the way that she looks is not representative of all women. Is that is that correct? No, no. Um, <laughs> um, actually, they really did turn her into the ambassador, but it didn't last 
because a lot of people, primarily women, um, protested because, I mean, they, you know, not everybody reads Wonder Woman. Not only, not everybody knows what she really stands for. They were simply seeing a pretty girl in a bathing suit, and they didn't think that a pretty girl in a bathing suit was a proper ambassador. With the sort of American flag motif as well, maybe. I don't. I don't think that. You know, maybe a little bit of the American flag motif, but but really, what they disapproved of was the pretty girl in the bathing suit. Yeah, see, that's that's interesting to me because I don't think if it were, let's say, it were a male character, I don't think that there would be some objection over what he were wearing. No, there wouldn't. No, there wouldn't. There wouldn't. A guy could wear bathing trunks, uh, well, you know, as long as they weren't too brief, and they wouldn't complain. You're quite right. Well, I mean, I mean, Superman basically wears skin tight. Yeah, I mean, look, their, their clothes are skin tight. They might as well be naked. See, and that's, I think, that's one of the most frustrating issues, I think, because this is clear, it's clearly uh, a double standard. There's clearly, okay, so the more I talk about this with, with friends, uh, the more I hear... You know, this idea that, like, sexism doesn't exist anymore. Um, of course it does. Oh, I, I know, that's what's so absurd about it, but uh, but apparently people believe this. Um, you know, we had a comment that I've mentioned to you before, um, you know, sexism doesn't exist and it hasn't since the 60s. I, I did some research. Um, There's an article on uh, from Vogue online uh, that's that cited some Pew research saying, you know, 50... Where is it? 56% of men believe that the challenges facing women have mostly been eliminated. Uh, why do why do you think that that issue that that reality is so in, invisible to so many men? Um, there's always the possibility that they don't want to believe that um, there are issues that women have issues anymore because if they believed it, they might have to do something about it. They might have to change their way of thinking. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think it's. I was talking with a friend of mine the other day. Um, and he told me, you know, I was just having a conversation about feminism, and and it's um it's scary, you know. I feel like as a as a white straight man in America, I don't, I should just be quiet, you know, and I I don't really have a voice. And I think that the irony of that, um, that this is the way that I think women and 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 in fact most minorities in this country and around the world have have felt all along, um, is maybe lost, you know, um. It's it's just I I don't think you know men uh, feeling the way that everyone else have have always felt doesn't seem like a, a bad thing necessarily. I mean, there needs to be some accountability. Um, I don't think that they. I don't, I don't not quite sure what you're saying, but I don't think that men suddenly have to be quiet and powerless. I think that we all need to speak and and we all need to share power. Um, and if men feel this threatened, um, there's a reason why they feel that threatened. Maybe, you know, because they certainly are free to speak. Maybe they should think about what they've been saying when they speak. You know, what are they afraid of? I mean, you know, we're not, women are not monsters who want to jump down their throat. What are they saying? If they're saying something that upsets women, what is it that they're saying? And why are women upset? <laughs> I th- I think um, if I can interject some of maybe what I what I think they're feeling. I, I meet a lot of people who, you know, 
who say that they have they have no problem um they have no problem with with the, with the idea of feminism i just think they don't know how to interact with it they um they see something they 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 see themselves as being allies and they feel like you know i don't you know, know what more I can do. You know, I you have my support, that kind of thing. And I'm constantly, as a white man, being told that I, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for everything that's gone wrong. And um, I don't think that uh, a lot of people have. I don't think that they're wrong. I think that they might be trying to help. You know, and they just don't know how to interact with it. Well, I don't think that white men are responsible for everything that's gone wrong. Um... And, you know, that's really a shame to blame a whole lot of people for, for something that everyone did. I mean, you know, if you want to get into it, the human race has a huge history, long, 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 never-ending history of violence and cruelty. It isn't just white men. I, w- I want to get back on the topic of uh, of the underground comics for, for just a second, Trina. Um, sure. So why was it important... Uh, to have comics that were about women, that were written by women, uh, illustrated by women, and produced by women. How how were the stories that you were telling different from a lot of the other stories that were already out there? (laughs) Well, you know, we are different. Men and women are different. And all too often when men write about women, they're just writing about men with breasts. And and there's no like there's they're not actually writing about women they're just uh, writing about what they think well, women are. You, know, is that... you have to you have to know each other. I mean, to write about men, really, you have to know men. You can't write about something you don't know. Right. I think. <laughs> no, I agree. I think um, there was a quote uh, from George R. R. Martin. I think that I I read one time where they were asking him, you know, how how do you write uh, such great female characters? How do you how do you write such great uh, women? And he said, well, you know, I, I think uh, I regard w- women as just people, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm a person, so I understand, you know, a bit about, you know, we, we have we have some shared experiences that I think you can draw on to make believable characters. We have shared experiences, but we also have separate experiences. Mm. Like I say, men and women are different. We don't react, you know, let's take violence. Let's take all those superhero comics. Where, um, where you, you know, they have a problem. The superheroes have a problem. And how do they solve it? They immediately start punching. Well, women don't solve problems by punching. You know? Mm. We discuss it. We think about it. We react in very different ways. And that's one reason why women are really not that crazy about superhero comics. Because we're not into, you know, people fighting each other all the time. I read, uh, it was just the other night, Trina, there was an article about Captain Marvel, and it was saying um, that, you know, a lot lot of the reason why my men don't like it is because that she does solve problems, like, uh, in a a more feminine way. She doesn't immediately attack her abuser, um, and you just came back from watching it. Is that your perspective as well? I I know you didn't, you said you didn't really like it. No, I didn't like it. And I thought that the problem was that it was it was too much like a boy comic. There were too many explosions and too many people jumping and running and falling and fighting, including um, Carol Danvers, the protagonist. I didn't think she was very much of a woman at all. I thought she was like a boy with breasts. She really didn't have 
to be honest, I don't I don't think she had much to do in the film. I, I think, you know, she's a... Uh, go ahead. Well, you're right. She didn't. I mean, she was not... She may have been the protagonist, but there were so many supporting characters. You know, compare that to the Wonder Woman movie. Wonder Woman is the character. Yes, yeah, she has some friends. She has that little group and, and Steve Trevor, but they're really, they're very minor compared to what she does. Whereas in Captain Marvel, there's all these guys that are fighting with her, and they're all wearing the same uniform, and they're all shooting and punching and throwing things, and, you know, she's just one of them. She doesn't really stand out. Yeah, I, I don't disagree, Trina. Um, one of my problems with the film is I, I feel like they lean too hard on Nick Fury. I, I feel like... You know, maybe, you know, hey, we're going to have a, a film with a female protagonist, but we're not totally sure if that's going to work. So we're going to make, we're going to kind of make her the, uh, a strong man. yeah, yes. we're going to, yeah, we're going to have, we're going to have right, Nick right. Fury carry half the load. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely don't think that Captain Marvel worked the way they wanted it to. It certainly, I, I like the cat. You like, <laughs> everybody likes Goose. Yeah. <laughs> Goose is great. <laughs> Um, what, so what about, what about the Wonder Woman film? What, how do you feel about that? I loved it. I've seen it twice and I'm sure I'll see it a third time at some point. See, I, I, I loved it when I saw it in the theaters and I've seen it now a few times and I feel like, um, like with, uh, what's, what's, what's her boyfriend's name in the film? Uh, Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor? Steve Trevor, yeah. That I feel like it's... Mm, I don't know. So she 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 comes to the real world, and then there's a lot of him explaining how the world works, like how it really works. And mm-hmm. I was curious to know how you, how you felt about that. It that felt weird to me. Uh, well, you know, she's a stranger in a strange land, and she doesn't understand it. But along with her lack of understanding, we learn more about her. Like there's a scene where they're they're whipping this horse, trying to get it to move, to climb a hill or something, you know, in the middle of the battle. And she says, why are they hurting that horse? And you can see that she has such love and compassion. She would never treat a horse like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to see, I think, I think where you're coming from and the difference between the way that uh, men and women react in certain situations. Yes. Um, are there any other films that you feel, uh, comic book films that you, that you do like? You know, I really don't like superheroes, with the exception of Wonder Woman, because all they do do is fight, and because they always do solve problems with their fists. So I don't see superhero movies. I did see Doctor Strange, because I like Doctor Strange. He's mystic, and he's not quite like the average superhero. Um, But, you know, I don't really go to superhero movies. Well, you go to uh, superhero conventions and stuff. You're going to be in uh, the Indianapolis Comic Con? I go to comic conventions. (laughs) Comic conventions are not necessarily superhero conventions. There's much more to comics than superheroes. No, I, yeah, I, I agree. What, what are some other kinds of um, comics that you liked when you were growing up? Well, when I, when I was growing up... Or, or now. I liked, I, well, when I was growing up, I liked the teen comics, which don't really exist anymore. But there used to be all of these, these comics in the 40s and 50s about teenagers. 
and they were they were very light. I mean, they were very light adventures, you know, kids making plans, and often the plans go awry, or two girls fighting over a boy, or, you know, will I get to go to the prom or not, and, you know, very simple stories, but, but usually, often, very cute. I mean, sometimes extremely funny, and, you know, usually very well drawn, and, um, Boys read them too, but girls specifically were the majority of the readers, and they were great. I loved them. When uh, when you started doing comics, I've I've read some of so some of the the earlier works, and mm-hmm. they're they're some of them are fairly risque, right? I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of drug use. Um, there was one I read that was in um, that was in your book. That was, um, I think it was like it was something about like I'm I'm a fag hag and like it was being in love with a with a gay guy and um, Mm -hmm. I just thought that's it's very it's very forward I think for the time. Not at all. Are you kidding? I did that in the eighties. You think the eighties were 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 a a a decade of of puritanism? I don't. Well, I don't think so. But I was. I was born in 1984. I'd have a whole lot. Um, my experience. Uh, so I. I grew up, Trina, in a in a very different uh, place. I. I. Uh, I grew up in basically nowhere, Indiana, and uh-huh. uh, there's not a lot of culture here. <laughs> uh-huh. So my uh, my perspective on a lot of things is is maybe not as broad. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> um. You know, I'm. I might be the only uh, Democrat, let's say, within oh, forty no. square miles. Okay. I don't. <laughs> it, it's. It might seem, I guess, very forward to me, but I, I'm used to reading, I guess, fairly tame comics from the same era. You need to read something besides mainstream superhero comics. I, well, I agree. I. <laughs> I agree. What What would you suggest? Well, nowadays, my God, graphic novels. There are so many graphic novels out there, and they're wonderful, you know, not just by women, but by men and women. Although, one reason why there are more women drawing comics, creating comics now, than ever before is because of graphic novels. Because you can do a comic, and it doesn't have to be a guy with a big chin punching another guy with a big chin, you know? Um, You can tell real stories. I mean, the thing about... The thing about comics is it's the perfect method of communication. Words and pictures. You can't go wrong with words and pictures. And you can do so much more with words and pictures than have people punching each other. I, I agree. Uh, I remember when I was younger and I got into Alan Moore. And I, uh, oh, yes, Alan Moore is a good example. My God. He, <laughs> he has, I'm thinking of, I guess, one particular run of uh, Swamp Thing that he did. Where uh, where Swamp Thing and and his wife, uh, I think basically just make love in their minds for the whole comic, and I remember thinking like that's that's really interesting because you don't see that in comics usually. Well, Alan Moore is brilliant. I agree. <laughs> no, I agree. Trina, we're gonna uh, wrap up here pretty soon. Um, I had a great time talking with you. Is there anything else that I haven't brought up that you'd like to talk to our listeners about? Yes. Ask me what I'm doing now. What are you doing right now, Trina? <laughs> I'm working on, uh, actually I have finished working on it, and the publisher is now working on the design and, and, and the art and, you know, the publishing of it. Um, 
you know that I specialize. I'm very well known for rediscovering talented, brilliant women cartoonists yes. who worked in the past in the early 20th century and who have been forgotten because guys don't write about them. You know, so somebody has to write about them because they were great. Some of these people were superstars. So I've written books about different women cartoonists, and the one that I'm working on now, the one that is, will be out in the fall, is about Gladys Parker, who drew comics for her period was 1927 to 1965. She, was, she just happened to look exactly like her comic character, <laughs> who was named Mopsy. And she not it was wonderfully drawn, beautifully drawn, but but along with doing this incredibly successful strip, and it really was, um, in the nineteen thirties she had her own line of clothing. She was a clothing designer and it was the Gladys Parker label, which to me is the holy grail, is finding finding a dress with the Gladys Parker label because <laughs> I happen to be into vintage anyway. Um by the 40s, she had moved to Hollywood, and she was designing clothes for people like Hedy Lamarr and Barbara Stanwyck. Um, so she just, she has an amazing, not just that her color was so great and that her clothing was so beautiful, but she has an amazing story herself. So that's coming out in the fall. Okay. Well, while we're on, just just to touch base for for a, a second, Trina, you're you're no slouch in that department either, as far as clothing design, right? I mean, you you made clothes for Mama Cass and David Crosby, and in the '60s, I had a I had a boutique, and I did make clothes, and I made clothes for rock stars and for their wives and girlfriends, indeed, and hippies in general. And <laughs> um. Yeah, I think that's one of the coolest things that I've that I've read about you was, uh, you know, we read about all of your accomplishments as I was preparing for the interview, and then I started seeing all of that stuff, and I was like, wow, that's like I don't, I I thought you were cool, but then I was like, wow, she's she's actually like incredibly cool, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like actually like really incredibly cool. Um, and so, um, it, it, what about anything else? Any appearances you're gonna make soon? I know we talked about Comic Con. Um, Comic-Con in July, and I'm going to be in an Indiana convention. You tell me when. I think it's August. I, I believe it's September. I looked at the date before. It's late this year. September. And also um, um, one in Michigan. Okay. In September. Okay. Well, I will be there, Trina. Good. <laughs> I am excited. Good. Uh, so I want to th thank you so much for your time. Where can Videoland find you? Do you have a website or Facebook? on Facebook. Look me up on Facebook. Ask me to friend you. <laughs> I abs I will do that literally as soon as I go home. <laughs> um, Alright guys, uh, just as a reminder, uh, we are Adventures in Video Land. You can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com or on Facebook at Adventures in Video Lands. Until next time, my good people, peace out.